and welcome to the Studying Games podcast by Little Rock Games. This season, we decided to pick games from the itch.io bundle for racial justice and equality. All proceeds from the bundle will be donated equally between the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and their Community Bail Fund. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, and we thought this would be one way for us to show our support. Um, my name's Tanner. I'm Brad. I'm Joe. I'm Olivia. And I'm Robbie. And this month we played Crescent Loom by Olive, uh, which is a, an educational game um, that tries to teach uh, the idea behind sort of neural logic that makes microorganisms work. So you get to sort of uh, build your own little uh, microorganism creature. Uh, build up the skeleton and everything like that, sort of similar to the early stages of Spore, and try and program them to to survive. Uh, it's still pretty early in development, um, but we decided to give it a try. So what did everybody think? So I thought that it was a lot different than what I expected going in, because I judged it solely based on screenshots. Um, and what it actually was, was a lot more in-depth than I was expecting and really cool. Obviously, it's a little rough around the edges, but for what's there, it's really cool. Yeah, I agree. It's a, a really cool idea and an interesting sort of uh, digital toy uh, with, you know, making this stuff uh, swim around and building your your little creature. Um, I think that it's it's got a whole lot of potential uh, and seems like when we first decided that we were going to do this game, uh, Tanner, when you mentioned it, you were talking about how the developers, and maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but the developers, uh, wanted to do, wanted to fill in the spots that Spore kind of fell apart with. Um, am I remembering that close to right? Yeah, I, th I think that's the general idea. I forget exactly what they said, but part of their tagline was like essentially spore, but but more in depth, more spore, more spore than spore. Um, exactly. So yeah, I I I like that, and I think that uh, I had so much fun doing that in spore and other games like it that uh, I have always wanted a more in depth version of that. So yeah, and we could talk about all that more as we go along. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's a phenomenal proof of concept is really what it feels like. Um, because really what, what makes it really interesting is sort of the whole, the way you have to like program the, their brains um, to respond to stimuli and stuff like that. Um, and that's something I've definitely never seen in the game before. And it definitely took was sort of hard to wrap my head around <laughs> yeah. at first. I was sort of hard to figure out. Um, it's also a really pretty game and I honestly like I played around with it and just sort of like watched the things like move around like as an interactive screensaver for like <laughs> several hours and yeah so it was really interesting and really satisfying once you sort of got the pieces going you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I found my experience is similar to the rest of you. I, I, I love the concept. And um, initially, I was expecting, and I guess I, when we talked about playing it, I hadn't realized it wasn't um, 
that far along in development. So once I had figured out the sort of core of it, I was expecting like big ferocious places to send my little critters to. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess I'll just keep sending them here, um, which is fine. And um, But yeah, the brain stuff to me is is the kind of thing that's pretty interesting. And I think for me, it's it'll be fun to talk about the kind of relationship that has to other logic uh, programming games like uh, Factorio and games that ask you to create complex systems by programming logic into the parts of the game. Um, and uh, it is interesting to think about the difference between games and toys because Brad, you used that term toy, so we can maybe talk about that concept a little bit too. Um, yeah. But I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt uh, a lot of those same ways. It was definitely... Um, not as as far developed as as I thought it was initially. Just sort of looking at the the screenshots, uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because uh, it still feels like there's so much potential there. Yeah, and and like you guys said, already there's a lot to sort of poke and prod with um, with sort of the the basic systems already in there. And I think uh, the sort of approaching it as an educational game first in that sort of sandbox sense um, is really interesting because this, not that I've studied that much uh, biology or probably had a very robust biology program in high school, uh, but it's probably one of the most effective ways I've seen of communicating the idea of like how life begins to function at that like most simplistic level, yeah. right? Without using a metaphor of like, oh, well, it sees the food and it wants the food, so it goes towards it. But like, how do you, how do you make the, the mechanics of that happen uh, sort of based out of chemistry? And I think this does a really good job of, of conveying those sorts of ideas in a pretty intuitive way. I, I think that the way that it does that in that intuitive way, and at the same time being an elegant little thing where you make a little fishy creature a, a shrimp fish thing <laughs> swim around to find food uh that's that's what i called all of mine shrimp fish thing or uh fish fish thing or sure. squid sure squid fish. Uh, but putting all those together uh the the sort of puzzly aspect of the of create uh, putting everything that needs to be into the brain uh, in the right way and, and the, the puzzle programming part of it on one side, but then the sheer uh, fun and, and just interestingness of watching that little guy swim around and then watching it, seeing how many times it could lay eggs and see how many you could get swimming around in there. Um, that was, that was a really, really cool uh, the the comment the, the the those two together those two pieces together I think were pretty fantastic. I think part of its strength is that it doesn't um, because it is trying to be educational first. I think if if someone approached this as a game first, um, it might even be less interesting because a lot of the ways that neurons work and the way that like uh, I guess in like you know organs that can sense things work. Um, there, there's options that if you were just trying to teach formal logic that you don't have. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's, so like if you were just building a machine, 
you might have different sorts of options. Like, well, if you don't have this input, you should do some other thing. But that's kind of not the way the brain works, I guess. I don't know if I'm making a whole lot of sense if you haven't actually like touched the game. So maybe we should explain it. For the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea to, to back up and explain everything you do. Who wants to tackle that? <laughs> I can give it a shot. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so the basic premise is that you, you sort of have, uh, you start with a skeleton um, and build up sort of the, the physical structure of the, the creature you're trying to build. Um, and then you, you have access to a couple, couple different like muscles and organs and those kinds of things. Um, and as you rig up your skeleton, uh, you have to also sort of map out the brain and how it works. So, so things like eyes, uh, detect when you're, you can, when something's being obstructing the vision, but it's not doing any kind of processing about what to do with that. Um, and so you can give it like feelers so that it can uh, swim towards walls or away from walls, uh, things like that. Um, and in different kinds of neurons that fire at different rates and you can customize those uh, in terms of sort of how they, how they respond. And so you, you get to sort of similar to Kerbal Space Program uh, attempts to launch your little organism out into the, the, the water and see how well it does. And then, you know, sort of iterate over that and experiment. Uh, but the, the little brain mini game, um, is, is a sort of programmatic or like circuits based representation of neurons and trying to, to get them to fire in the correct ways to, to trigger the muscles. So yeah, because what's really interesting about it is that literally everything, so so like the parts of the body of the creature that you can make are either like static or movable or joints, right, or muscles or organs that pick up on signals, right? So between things that pick up on signals and things that respond to signals and the types of connections you make between those things, that's how you can make them move. So it takes, you know, learning that like, oh, like if I have a pace, like a like a simple like 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 pulse what can i do with that could i make it alternate on the muscles and and move you know in one direction and, and it's essentially just taking that and iterating on that and and you can make really simplistic stuff that works and you can also get really complicated with different sensory organs like eyes and feelers and stuff that it's, respond to either being touched or different things it's kind of cool and interesting to me how the the more simple I kept things, the more um, just sort of a straight flow it had and it could go and do the basic thing that it needed to do. But the more and more complex you get, obviously, I mean, and this totally makes sense, just the more weird, unexpected stuff is happening and the more you're having to uh, sort of come up with a, a, a an opposite side to balance out the last thing that you did. So if you put uh, too much complexity on the way that muscles, that, that the neurons fire on the muscles, for example, um, too much complexity on the uh, sort of the rhythm that they make, you just basically get it sitting there twitching without it being able to really swim. Um, and then you have to keep balancing out for, well, it needs to have this certain rhythm or this certain feedback loop. 
that that does this. And I mean, that was some of it was a little bit maddening when you're getting really complex and you've got little fin things and bumpy feelers and all that kind of stuff, and they're just all kind of doing their own thing it's it's sort of this weird little digital frankenstein yeah it is definitely i definitely had when i first the first couple of little things i tried to make were way too complicated yeah um because i was like oh yeah, i'll just make it have these little these long feelers and then it, that just does not there's just so many things you have to get to make complex structures work and mm-hmm. you only have so much space to work with too right like so you know there's definitely a limit on complexity but also like there's some really interesting stuff you can do with really simple simple things um and also i was surprised so i i was i was really frustrated for a while when i was playing it that i couldn't make the sort of signal organs distinguish between things that they see so mm-hmm. like I, there's no way to make it tell the difference between a like a wall or food right <laughs> there's no way so so i you know i would be like oh like i would set it up to where when it sees something go towards it and then it would just end up ramming its head into the wall because (laughs) it's all wall um but then i actually was really surprised that when i set up i essentially took that and made it you know when it hit the wall it sort of crawls across the wall and then when i put it in the sort of tank with the other critters it did really well and it ate all of them and (laughs) even even with within that that it's seeming the limitations it really just still shows the way that you know how little is required for locomotion (laughs) for early life and i mean you it mimics uh you know these real creatures that do just bump along on the bottom and if they happen to bump into something that fits into their mouth it's edible they eat it and they keep on going and and they're such simple organisms that they just keep on doing that which i i thought that was just very cool that, that it was able to to mimic uh to mimic that in such a natural way it definitely made me a lot more interested in microbiology um because i i only i only took like a a very simple uh biology course in like high school and i guess we probably have like a unit on it but it wasn't explained in this sort of detail it was just sort of like yeah and they have feelers and if the feelers feel something it moves away from it but this game goes so much more in depth where you can put a feeler on something that doesn't mean it's going to avoid things. You have to, you have to take the time to step through the steps between it taking in sensory input and what that means, and what has to happen in its simple little brain in order to cancel out what muscle movement or to create some sort of muscle movement. Yeah, and and what's honest, what I think is really cool about it. Um, in particular so like we've been talking about so far is mostly being like an educational game in terms of biology but I actually think really I mean because it is a great like theme for the game and it does show those very real like you know simple organisms and how they work but I feel like really is just as good of an educational tool on just like logic gates and how Mm -hmm. computers work at a fundamental level right like if I played this like you know, in high school. And by the time I took my computer architecture class, I might have actually been able to understand what was going on. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, because it's honestly like, because it's, it's, it's also interesting because then on some level, it, it just goes to show that brains are just computers <laughs> on <laughs> one level. Uh, but, um, 
but yeah, so I, I kept thinking about it in terms of that and how it, it's it's really a hands-on way to just experiment with that, doing things like, you know, pace regulation and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it becomes sort of like a... Um, like sort of Conway's game of life, right? It's like this much more complex way of creating little automata, and uh, and then yeah, just watching what what the giving them relatively simple rules, and then just watching what happens, which is is yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, and I, I actually think the ways in which those those intersect is is a really sort of uh, meaningful way in which it can. Uh, educate right like because similarly like both things are a series of really small simple actions that that slowly came together to happen in enough complexity to make something that is sort of unrecognizable in comparison to its base parts um <laughs> so i i think sort of like how it can demonstrate that is is pretty pretty great as well i'm kind of a nerd for that stuff anyway but so maybe it's a, a personal interest thing creeping out, but, uh, but yeah. One, and one of the things the developer talks about in, in the readme uh, for the app is how he named it Crescent Loon or she, actually, I'm not, I'm not fully clear on, on which one that is the developer. Um, you know, they, they named it loom because the, uh, it, a loom is something or like something, you know, it, it would be something more creative. Like, yes, it's systemic um, and it takes some kind of logic to make it, but fundamentally um, you're not, like life is not like engineered. And so like a lot of the things that you could do with a computer, you can't do with life. And I don't know, like I just thought that it was, it was, I think the reason why I tend to talk about this game from an educational perspective is because I, I think that's sort of what they're what they're going for here, and I'm wondering because they started from there. I don't know where else they could they could go. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about. So I definitely feel this game feels like an educational game, but it also again feels like a great proof of concept for a larger scale spore type game. You know, something mm -hmm. that lets you continue to evolve. You know, one species and like you know unlock more make it you know because as it is right now I, th I think everything like there's nothing that's locked right like mm -hmm. you just it's just a, it's just a straight up sandbox um but in terms of edu educational games and it's something you know we've talked about before but it's it's interesting to what degree it is a good game in its own right you know as opposed to just being an educational game. Does that make sense? Um, right. And I feel like that this game does a really interesting job of at least finding that sweet spot of like, literally I didn't feel like I was reading a textbook, right? I didn't feel like I was, I didn't feel like I was learning, <laughs> you know? I don't know if that's a, that's a good sign for its quality <laughs> or not, but... Um, I think it is, yeah. I think so too, and... Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's it's hard to say because it's still in development, right? Sort of where they're headed in terms of that. Uh, but yeah, I do I do get the impression that it's an educational game first. Um, but when developing an educational game, it you know 
it, what's the point of making it a game if it's not a good game? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, so where do you think it could go? I mean, one of the things I think about, right, is Spore and lots and lots of other games like it are all based on competition. Um, and so, and of course, life itself is based on competition. So, um, you know, all these little guys are trying to not get eaten and they're trying to reproduce and that's like their whole, um, you know, MO. And, um, but it does make, kind of make me wonder if, is that the only path to just make it competitive, right? Like, so then your little critter has to survive somewhere. Um, I mean, it does follow logic you know that that would be the next step but then why you know it's then it's really not that different than spore other than just it's focus on sort of the brain chemistry yeah which is really interesting niche you know yeah yeah Um, the the sort of the uh scholar academic biology model of uh life is competition uh life is finding a niche of of uh, within that competition, there are lots of newer theories that aren't necessarily just about the competition of life and uh, and seeing life on such simplistic terms of, uh, you know, the big fish eats the little fish. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of room to explore that kind of thing in this kind of game. Um, there's a whole lot of uh, study going on right now with uh, – I've heard of several about plants – uh, and plants and fungi and how they communicate throughout a forest and they might not necessarily be um, competing for a space. Like we generally think about a tree trying to be the first tree to get high enough to choke out the other trees because it's competition. And I heard about a study just recently that said that no, actually uh, trees work together to in some ways to create a biodiversity within a certain region um, and so with that in mind, I think that a game like this, bringing in some of those, uh, ideas of non-competitive and, um, one thing producing something so that, uh, so that it can, uh, fit into the system with all the other things and everything work well together, uh, rather than a huge competitive system. I mean, to, to to answer Joe's earlier question, where else could you go with that? I think looking at those kinds of studies and and looking at the, that kind of model uh, might be a really interesting place because it would take it from that spore model of let's build the biggest thing we can that can eat the other thing or outperform the other thing or uh, basically conquer the other thing. Uh, and And I think that's the way we've looked at at those sort of systems for so long, but I don't think it's always really like that. It would be interesting to see a different take on having it that way. So you think it's all a capitalist illusion that we've been taught? <laughs> kind of, yeah. A, a, a imperialist. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think there's I a mean, very... Listen, Darwin w- was, uh, you know, he published the origin of species in what 1849 so yeah that was at the height of the british colonial enterprise so yeah yeah and, well, and industrialism <laughs> and co- the competition both economically and, yeah. and, and all that capitalism <laughs> was hitting its stride yeah. he didn't he didn't really write about um 
fitness. He, he wrote about like competitiveness and stuff just because that is a thing that exists, but he didn't write about like, like the term survival of the fittest didn't come from him. It came from eugenicists basically right? trying to yeah. justify sort of their, their point of view. And evolution is a lot is, you know, it's a lot more than just like someone being better at killing things than others. So, yeah. I, I think that there's a lot of room in a game like this. Uh, if you wanted to get, you know, once, once you get the, 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 basics of it figured out and the and and it looks like they're they're on the way to totally figuring out all the basics of how they want these little creatures to move and the pieces to go and then of course add more pieces so that the creatures can do more but then after that you know the it's back to joe's question of where do you go from there what's what's the next step of taking this from that idea of kind of a toy to a real uh or or out of the sandbox and into some kind of a world building or, or uh, ecosystem building kind of thing. And I think that with things like that in mind, that would be a really, really interesting direction for them to take it. Yeah, honestly, I think an interesting direction too would be to have something evolve to explore different kinds of environments, right? Yeah. Because yeah. they already have um, a system in the game and, and I used it a little bit, but I sort of, it ended up being less efficient than going with some of the basic locomotion in the game from my experience. But they have things like um, like weight regulation uh, organs and stuff like that that I was really interested. Oh yeah, the balloon, like the boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was really interested in in experimenting with those, but it didn't really seem like there was much need for it. Um, yeah. So well, yeah. Oh, go go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say. So having stuff, you know. So like, okay, well, what if I need to? Now, you know, it's shallow, so I need to be like a surface skimmer or now I need to evolve to do this other different thing, you know, something that has some sort of progression just based on that could be really interesting. Mm -hmm. I think it has great application for um, uh, exploring what life could look like in environments we're not familiar with. Yeah. So, so all these things are sort of swimming in water. But what would what would very simple organisms look like if they lived on like a gas planet? Yeah. Then yeah. all that then the buoyancy awesome. and the ballast becomes much more important. And maybe the muscles, they're still important, but maybe they're important for sort of different reasons. And you could set the strength of a lot of these uh the actual the interactions with the neurons. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if tweaking those to some degree would kind of simulate uh, that movement in a slightly different environment. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe it would have to be an external setting of what, what the fluid physics of the, of the water was like. I don't know. I don't know how, to, how you would get that, but that's a really cool, uh, cool direction, I think. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. Well, it kind of ties together something – Olivia said a while back, which was about um, the fact that the sensory organs couldn't make any distinctions. And, and one of the ways that relatively simple organisms will make those distinctions, right, is with, with uh, pheromones. And so you could, mm. I mean, if you introduce a, a yeah. mechanic like pheromones, then you could have, um, you could have uh, social, which again, connects this 
to the kind of question of if you wanted to have social or cooperative behavior, then you, what's kind of cool is if you made it multiplayer, right, then you could have kind of almost like teams because you could have pheromones. And if you use a particular pheromone system, that would be really cool. And then anyone else who uses it, their organisms would essentially be communicating only with you and anybody else who uses those pheromones. Um, and so to me, that seems kind of interesting because then you can get like ant-like behavior. So like I could leave messages for other organisms like, oh, there's food over here or, yeah. um, you know, so, and, and to me, that doesn't seem like a huge leap from where they are. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. it's like a huge yeah. lift up from, from the kind of current level of complexity. <laughs> yeah, I'd say um, that's about, I'd say it's about two steps up. Cause like I, at first I was like, oh, I'm, I'm reaching like sort of the extent of what I can do here because they only give me so much space to place my little signal yeah. things. But then I realized that there are like tabs of them. Yeah, so you can connect um, them together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or have different discrete systems. Yep. But I never really felt like they, that I could make my, like the, my locomotion or my, you know, organs complex enough to require those sort of discrete yeah. systems, you know? Um, so, but yeah, like a few more things like that and more environments and, you know. It, it would also be really cool to see um, a, an, an, a randomized evolver or, or not even randomized, but like um, you might have this, this way for things to, for a creature to uh, evolve and change a trait just a little bit change the distance between neurons or change the yeah. f- how fast they fire. And so you put some of that variability in there and then you have two slightly different offspring with different, uh, different traits, slightly different traits. One's faster than the other, or one can turn better than the other and then see how many of those end up. And then it becomes like that game of life, right? Like you let it run for a day and then you, you come back and you see, that the pool is now full of this, the, 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 the progeny of this one, one creature that could turn in a circle faster than the one that could swim really fast. <laughs> well, and see where it goes from there. That, that would be crazy cool and interesting. Yeah. I mean, it seems like then it's kind of a natural, um, like if you want to connect it to a learning machine, right, that would be mm-hmm. a really fun exercise too. like mm-hmm. basically giving values to, to positive things. Right. So in machine learning, you, you just set values for things that are that you want the, to be outcomes. And so like if having babies is a good thing, then you give lots of points to having babies. And if and then, yeah, you could have generation after generation after generation just iterate over and then the, the machine learning would then just, you know, happen um i do feel like then it becomes sort of a different game honestly oh yeah. no, absolutely then it's <laughs> more that just like a, a bad thing it's like epic battle simulator right you're just yeah. like you're putting a bunch of things out there happen. yeah um because I, I do feel like there's something compelling about designing and seeing because because again i i feel like really what this game wants to be about is about the sort of simple locomotion right yeah and how that can work and and specifically being able to create stuff that does not work i feel like is really important to that learning experience right of of being like oh i'm gonna put eight spines next to each other and then I'm, you know, going to like, you know what I mean? And being able to see like how, okay, that might not work or, 
here's the different types of, you know what I mean? So I feel like the sort of Lego aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Well, I can say that if failure is the measure of success in this game, (laughs) then I totally beat the hell out of it. (laughs) I rocked it. Oh man, no, I did do it. It took me a while to make something that could. Yeah. I, I went through all, I eventually, I, I was really stubborn about it and was like, I'm just going to figure it out and not look anything up. <laughs> and and no, that did not work. I had to look up like the, oh gosh, but I found out the like self-regulating pacemaker you can make. That uh-huh. showed me how to do it. Yeah. I was like, just like, why, why can't I make something alternate? <laughs> like it yeah. seems so bad. And it's like, no, you, you definitely can. Yeah. Just kind of read the tutorial. Throw some inhibitors yeah. on there. Yeah. So I will say that that's, that's one of the areas that I think the game needs the most work on right now is sort of the onboarding process. Yeah. Because uh, even having, you know, uh, taking classes on, on logic gates and all those kinds of things, and, and maybe that actually kind of hindered me because I was looking for specific pieces of logic that that I already knew how to work with um and and those aren't necessarily going to be be represented by if this is a you know more realistic uh interpretation of how things actually work um I I don't know enough to to know that uh (laughs) sort of um but I, th- there was a lot like early on, there's a sort of click through tutorial, of, like example, other uh, creatures that you can, you can sort of start with. Yeah. Um, yep. But I, I sort of wanted either like some, some better tools to like, like be able to like nest pieces and reuse them or something like that, or just sort of teach me how to, to run the brain part a little bit better, I think would have made it easier to get into. Yeah, I was going to say that a minute ago when Olivia was talking, it, having those, uh, being able to nest uh, pieces and reuse uh, some of these combinations, especially common combinations, that would be really useful. Um, and I do think that also comes back to how much it is a standalone game versus an educational tool, right? It can be both, but... Like right now, I would definitely like if I was, you know, in a class, I wouldn't want somebody to just be like, play this and then come home and write a paper about it. Like I would want somebody yeah. to tell me how it works, you know. This would have been helpful for me if I had just sat through a lecture and I'm like, I sort of understand. And then if you then if the very next thing I did was play this game, it might reinforce some concept. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, that certainly speaks to a certain type of learner as well that. I, I'm the kind of learner that needs that re- that hands-on reinforcement. Uh, if I just hear you talking about it, I'm probably not really going to get it until I've dug deeper. Uh, and I think that this game certainly creates a really cool opportunity to do that. Um, Joe, you mentioned that I mentioned the <laughs> toy versus game distinction. Uh, I do want to get into that. Uh, I did mention that you mentioned that. And and now I'm mentioning that you mentioned that I mentioned it. So you are, we've, we've got a trifecta of mentions going. So uh, jump in. What, what, what yeah. are you going to follow up with? Well, I, th- I just think it's a, it's a useful since it is a game design. Uh, what do they call these things? Podcast. Um <laughs> 
the uh, right so conceptually there's been a lot of literature about the, how games are defined right and one of the ways that they tend to be defined is in terms of the goals that you know that there's some goal that is is uh, an element of of the experience and you if that goal isn't set by the game itself then a lot of people will argue that it's not actually a game but something else like a, a toy is a good example right um so lego right we can we can take we can take a box of lego and just be like oh i'll do whatever i want for a few hours um or we can create a game and sort of a level up from that right is something like minecraft which is like digital lego steroid version um but still doesn't necessarily give us goals and then there's like minecraft story edition which finally gets around to like saying well here's if if you want to play minecraft but also have someone tell you what you should be doing um so again it's just for me it's an interesting not so much because it says one is wrong and one is right but just because it, it gives us a kind of boundary line um where we can kind of talk about the ways that things cross um that's really all i was thinking about i appreciate your plural of lego <laughs> in all caps thanks trademark <laughs> listen i don't want to get in trouble with the danish <laughs> no one wants to be in trouble with the danes no um but yeah i mean so that that's you know we can we can talk for a bunch about that or we can just sort of acknowledge that it exists and and move on with our lives um <laughs> yeah, I mean, in this game, I definitely wanted a goal, I think. Uh, that was just sort of my purse, like in terms of how I wanted to interact with this and sort of the way my expectations going in to playing it just from reading about it. Uh, and maybe that was just because of the spore comparison or, or what, I don't know. Um, but I probably would have played it longer if I got some of those nice little nice brain mm -hmm. juice from the little thing telling me you accomplished yep. <laughs> three things in one life or short term goals you. yeah yeah <laughs> that's what keeps players coming back or something to collect <laughs> yes yeah well you... i i did like the um I, I i was really worried that like it was essentially just the little kerbal launch pad but there was an area where you could set them loose with other creatures mm -hmm. um and I, yeah, that was probably my favorite. I, cause I, I really did like just like seeing it. Like uh -huh. it, it was pretty laggy when you tried to um, fast forward it. I don't know if it was that case for anybody else, but I could not keep it going fast cause mm -hmm. it would just freeze. Um, Were you on desktop or browser? Desktop. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, it, um, yeah, there. I at least got a little bit of that with the the little glowing orbs mm. you can eat. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yum, yum. And nutritious. Yes. For, for baby single-celled organisms. Matter. Yeah. I, I think for me, if this were to, if this strayed, this works as a toy, and I think I learned more, or could have learned more. I mean, I, I did learn a little bit, but I you know, I would have continued playing and even learned a little bit more because it functions a lot as a toy. And if they turned it more into a game, it would have, it, I, for me, for the way I learn, I guess it would feel too much like 
well, now we're starting on the unit on muscles and now we're starting on the unit on neurons and I would, and I would tune out, but being able to explore and just be like, well, that was weird. Can I make it do this other thing? I think I ended up learning more about the relationship between these different neurons and how, I mean, even just something as simple as like what it means to inhibit a neuron. Like I didn't know what that meant. Like, <laughs> that's something I would hear like on, you know, a fancy science show and just assume like, I guess it makes sense. And, and that's also an interesting take on how we learn versus how we teach, especially now as we're moving so much more to a, a digital learning environment. I'm I'm coming up with this in my job, which is I'm an instructional designer for those of you out there in podcast land who didn't know. Uh, but we, I, I keep seeing over and over as we're having so many classes online now, um, people trying to teach an online class in the same way that you would teach a face-to-face class. Um, basically come to class, I'm going to lecture for... Uh, so many minutes. I'm going to give these handouts to you. You're going to go home and do the homework and then we're going to come back and then I'm going to lecture some more and I'll have your homework graded and blah, blah, blah. The the digital environments don't work that way for learning uh, or or, or that model rather doesn't work well for digital environments. And so I, I think that so much of the problems that we're seeing with people trying to put their class online, whether it be uh, K through 12 or uh, higher ed classes, it comes from trying to uh, force that, that old model onto these new tools. But, and I, I think that this game and what you just said, Robbie, is a good example of that. If, if, you're, if you're expecting this game to be uh, to teach you by going, this is how muscles work. And we're in chapter one, uh, the muscles, and then chapter two, the neurons and chapter three, the, you know, uh, all these other things, it, it does get boring really, really quickly. And it doesn't serve this type of, uh, learning system and sandbox very well. But if on the other hand, you do exactly what you said you got out of it, which was get in there and just kind of play with it. And, and you learn a whole lot more. This is a great example of learning a whole lot more through getting in and playing with what you can experience rather than what uh, comes directly from the examples in the textbook. If that makes a whole lot of sense. It um, does. Yeah. And, and I think that, that the bigger application for a game slash toy slash interactive like this is that we're getting to to a stage in in uh, academics where we need to be able to to teach that way more, and we're slowly realizing. I think that instructors, in a lot of ways, are slowly realizing that that really works, and that that can take you a long way. That sort of kick the tires on it, hands on play with it kind of uh, uh, approach really does work. Yeah, you know, I I try and mention this whenever it's applicable because it was such a life-changing moment for me. I uh, completely failed calculus the first time I took it. I took it a second time, and this time the teacher, um, there's a couple other kids in my high school that also had to retake it. And he used this tool that um, we were doing derivatives, um, and it like 
it would draw the a, a curve and then draw tangent lines all over it. But um, which you see illustrations of in textbooks. But instead of drawing the line, it's more like the line followed the curve, like it moved, like the point moved along the curve, mm-hmm. and you'd see the angle change of the tangent line. And seeing it in motion, I suddenly understood everything I didn't understand the previous year. Yeah. Everything clicked, and I totally understood it. And I, I played. I, he meant it as just like a demonstration to everybody, but I downloaded it and played with it just for like a long time, and just played yeah. with it just to see it move because it. I don't know that that's what helped it click for me. And I think the more, the more sort of tools that we give people and the more ways that we can visualize information rather than sort of the standardized way that uh, quote unquote has worked for years. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The better I, off. Um, I, I think that this uh, to use this overused term, this gamification of education like this uh, I think it's actually we're we're moving that in in a much better direction, but I think we're still in such early days of it. Even after having decades of uh, edutainment games, uh, I, I still think that it's games like this, like Crescent Loom and and some others, um, that are really going to hopefully uh, going to start filling in those those spaces a whole lot better and, and being uh, just a better way to do this, a better way to, to, to do that kind of learning. And not only in biology, I mean, biology and chemistry and things like that are, are obviously a, a really uh, almost obvious kind of way to make, make something like this. But, uh, you know, think about politics. And we, and we talked about this uh, in, in a, an episode or so ago where we were talking about um tonight was it tonight we riot maybe or which one was it that we were talking about how uh we uh the the system of democracy and how you could uh gamify that digital oh, yeah. this way it has um, to have been that <laughs> um was I it tonight so. we riot or was it the other one that was uh cause we, uh, i guess it could have been american election oh it was i think it was yeah, american election. Maybe. yeah I don't know. It, it, it was both. a lifetime ago. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, the time stretch, the COVID time stretch is, is a real thing. We've all um, lived nine lifetimes uh-huh. in these nine months. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's that's just sort of, uh, it's very interesting to me because it's at the crux of the the a lot of things that I'm interested in, both with gaming and with online education or the future of interactive education and things like that. How, how do we do that best? And I think there's a lot of room for a game like this, uh, a game toy interactive like this. I agree. <laughs> well, thanks, <laughs> Olivia. <laughs> but I, I think, I think now, I think we did have a lot of edutainment stuff before. It's like, I remember when I was a kid, there was like reader rabbit and stuff. Yeah. Which was, oh, yeah. We had, like, educational games hour yeah. in, like, elementary and middle school. And, and how from, was it? Well, I feel like they were – it was fine. But I think the we're moving towards something better. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember that I loved them because they were goof-off hour. I Correct. didn't learn anything from them. I they were, like, mandated. I might have, yeah. I bet I you learned more than a, you thought. 
I remember the funny thing. I remember there was like a series of games that we had to play through, like all of them. And there was like one in each subject. And the one I hated that I was the worst at and I could never get a passing grade on was the programming one, which is really funny. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And who can forget Mavis Beacon teaches typing? Yeah, I, I've I've forgotten most of that. I learned far more from uh, instant message typing than I ever did from any gamified typing tutor things, and I had we had plenty of them. Well, um, one thing that I think is interesting is sort of like uh, games that break down the the dichotomy between toys and games as a project or as a product in terms of education. So something like Kerbal Space Program is like a fully developed like game and system of progression and things like that. But that's not necessarily what you would use to teach with it. They have like pre-made uh, scenarios that are, that are testing specific concepts that you can use uh, to teach in a classroom, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then like the Assassin's Creed series, which has like, they build this whole world um to to use it as primarily you know the game that they're selling uh, but they also <laughs> for, for murder uh, <laughs> i was gonna say to make a lot of money but uh, well exactly i mean that's that's the point right is that like um if there isn't a huge market implicitly um or pr- essentially sort of a circular problem of getting the funding to make good educational games yeah um but but reusing the parts from these existing games um to to create those experiences right uh, yeah cuz i think you can do a lot with a really solid well developed framework um even if that format doesn't translate seamlessly into a classroom yeah. so i think for something like this uh, I would find both versions of that game really interesting. And I, th- I think they could mm-hmm. sort of piggyback off of one another. Um, you could have the mode where you're, you know, trying to maximize your high score and um, not everything is 100% accurate. Uh, but then you pull out and, and you have this sort of alternate way to experience the game um, that's a little bit more useful for education. Yeah. And, yeah. and as we were talking about earlier, this this game lets you fail really well, right? It lets you it lets you succeed uh, by iterations of failure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a fantastic way to learn, right? Um, especially For some when it's people, a, you know. Well, as long as it's not overly frustrating and it's sort of this never-ending failure. Um, I, I think that if you can learn in a fun environment with relatively low stakes like this, it's uh, that's a, a good way to reinforce. I mean, of course, failure with really heavy <laughs> uh, consequences. That's also a great way to learn. Failure with uh, deadly consequences. With deadly co- or yeah, or near dead. De- um, deadly. So I just wanted to quickly interject. Tanner, you said uh, the thing about Kerbal Space Program. One of the things that's interesting to me too is, so um, SimCity has been used a lot for um, sort of educational purposes. And um, I think one of the things that that is fun to, to kind of uh, uh, consider is how um, you can also interrogate systems like that. Um, because SimCity is a kind of classic example of, of um, 
what Robbie was critiquing earlier about about the model of biology I brought up of like oh life is survival of the fittest. Well, Sim City, like Sim City, has all these ways that it basically reproduces the status quo in terms of how people understand progress and like how cities work and you know like like in sim city as i'm sure most or all of you know right like if you want to deal with like crime just appears like as this yeah. thing it's just like <laughs> this thing that makes people unhappy and the way you deal with that is by plopping down more police stations uh-huh. right <laughs> which like never more than right now in the last 6 months does that seem like a very narrow view of how crime and policing you know, interact right. with one another. <laughs> um, but anyway, so la- my point is just that, that I think in all of these cases, if learning is, is the goal, there's, there's the opportunity to interrogate systems at the same time that you're, you're reproducing yeah. them, right? Even at the level of biology and things where we're like, oh, this is just science. There's no politics here. Or there's no, there's no worldview here. Um, you know, these are the same worldviews that construct, you know, survival of the fittest construct, you know, uh, city city mechanics and all kinds of things anyway so i i just i thought that was worth thinking about i saw a really great example of that uh using a using a game system to do that sort of interrogation of a of the way another system works or the or a problem within a real world system someone took what i'm not quite sure what they were using but it looked a lot like city skylines and they built uh, because it has a really complex uh, traffic system. Um, they built. They started out with basically a four-way stop, or a, maybe it was just a two-way stop uh, on two lanes going, you know, uh, across each other. And then from that, they built a four-way stop, and from that, they built a uh, more lanes and a turn lane. And then from that, they built those with a light and then on and on and on and more complex intersections, basically. And at the bottom of each one of these examples, it would show uh, basically the rate of traffic using that example. Um, how how many cars you got to go through this uh, within a certain amount of time. Um, and they kept building on it and building on it. And they did these crazy, crazy. I mean, like you think some of the weird flippy clover leaves in some towns some really big cities are crazy i mean i'm thinking um dallas and atlanta and kansas conway. city like that. <laughs> and conway conway arkansas is up there with la um but they they built these just extremely complex ones and and uh i learned a whole new bunch of words for uh, uh what these things are called and they're they're there's some just really ridiculous ones, but each one of them, as it got more and more complex, it would show the number down at the bottom. And and basically it was saying, which one of these is the most efficient for traffic. And, uh, and my immediate thought was, could you put in a relative cost to these, like this costs this much space and has this much of a carbon footprint and has this much of a actual dollar cost to build, uh, to build such a thing and you get this kind of benefit out of it. Um, but yeah, I think that there's so much use, uh, for that kind of thing. And, in, in that again, gamification of these real world models that we need to get data out of, uh, it's, it's a really, really cool time to see that happening. Yeah. So there's a, there's actually a very cool guy. I think that his, 
username is do not eat. Um, uh, I think that's his name. Anyway, he did a whole, an entire series on the history of Philadelphia using city skylines. Oh, um, wow. But his entire, the thing was all, it wasn't just, again, sort of standard history. It was about um, labor relations and politics and, and how, mm-hmm. I mean, it was essentially a leftist uh, sort of tale of, of city and urban planning um, mm-hmm. through yeah. the eyes of the sort of birth of Philadelphia. Right. I feel um, like Tanner was watching it. It was really interesting. Yeah. Serious. Cause he goes like, well, I can't simulate this part with city skylines. So I'm going to get this mod. Yeah. And now here's the redlining mod. Yeah. Oh, wow. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. The, um, this, the series is called Franklin. So if you just do like a YouTube search for Franklin and, and city skylines, you'll find it. It's, it's really, really interesting stuff and it's continuing. I think there's like 11 episodes and they're all, relatively long so um but uh yeah no it's it's there's a lot of potential for for that kind of stuff yeah yeah i feel like it's really important now for education games but just simulation games in general to interrogate conventions you know and to think about why these sorts of things are in there but yeah i mean I I do feel like it's hard to overstate the importance of that for educational games, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's so much implicitly, you know, that goes into saying that this is the way the world is, or even, Mm -hmm. you know, a small portion of it. Um, Mm -hmm. So not that, I guess it's a little bit of a tangent from this particular game, but uh, but it also goes, you know, to think about, again, thinking about this as a work in progress or a proof of concept or whatever, um, where we would like to see it go and the sort of interesting things that it has the potential to do, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I even think... if it's just even if it's just doing the spore-like simulation that shows you how, you know, logic gates work, I think it's already phenomenal and yeah, it's way better. Like I would have killed to have this <laughs> when I was, you know, taking relevant courses probably. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I know we don't have a ton more time, but I just super quickly wanted to say just a bit about that term gamification. Yes, um, please. Which is, I, I will just say up front, is a term that I hate. Right. Um, <laughs> That's but, why I always feel like I need to put it in, in, in quotations every so, time. I say it because I know that people know what it is, yeah. but I, um, yeah, I think. But I the, the reason that I hate it is that um, to many people, what it means is taking the sort of, um, elements of games that are um, what we would, might call extrinsic motivators and just slapping them on to other kinds of systems so that, mm-hmm. um, and so often, and, and I think there's, there's a kind of conceptual space in which gamification and actually making games and making learning experiences that are interactive and engaging, all of those things happen at the same time. But often it's about extrinsic motivators. So it becomes things like having like high scores or, having badges, badges or yeah or having like um a quest you know like this sort of rpg artifice where it's like oh you're going on a quest this semester and um and i know some of that stuff is engaging but it's only engaging to the extent that people want to get the high score um and i mean i know myself as a player like like when the only goal is the high score i will get the high score but i won't really pay any attention to how i got there 
I'll just be yeah. like, oh, sweet. I got this high score. <laughs> you know? it's like, well, what'd you learn about biology? I don't know. I, but I got the high score. Um, <laughs> you so, 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 so what are grades, if not high scores? Jim? Yeah, Ooh, wow, no, exactly. Grades are, grades I mean, are, are gamification. They're, I joke, but like also yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like, They're ex extrinsic motivators. And that's why it's really dangerous when grades are sort of the only thing that students, I mean, it's not dangerous in a, you know, they're not lethal, but yeah, I mean, like if, if, and I guess one way to put it is as a, as a teacher, what, what I'm always sad when I have students whose only interest in my course is in the grades, I, I'm happy to have them there because I know maybe they have other things that are more important and they just need the grades so they can move on. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But basically what it means to me is that most of what they take in from the course will only be designed to get them a grade. Um, like that's their, their goal. And so their goal is not to learn something it's to get that grade. And so, um, yeah, that means that they probably won't retain much, which is fine. There are lots of courses I took in college. I didn't retain much and I got a grade, but yeah. I, I really enjoyed your class, Dr. Wilson. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. The really sad thing is I no longer get the red hot chili pepper on uh ratemyprofessor.com <laughs> uh, that's the thing that's most sad to me i don't I got, think they give that to i got professors. it in my 20s and my early right. 30s but didn't I did they not. take it off of the website it's not uh, there anymore oh maybe that's what happened maybe that's they, why they, they, they replaced you don't get it, with it a, anymore with an eggplant <laughs> it's not because i'm almost 50 it's some other reason <laughs> it's because it's not culturally Brad, appropriate did anymore. you just say it was replaced with an eggplant <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. I correct myself up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we can keep saying gamification. I just wanted to put my two bits in. Yes, and I totally agree with that. And, and like I said, every time I do say it, whether I'm talking with in, in a conversation with you, Joe, or in general, I do always feel like I need to do the little finger quotes uh, <laughs> or, or have a, a disclaimer of some, time, right. some kind. Yeah. You know, I, I think people don't like um don't like it because it's not quantifiable and i think people veer towards classic gamification because it's something you can quantify but there is something to say about like incidental learning mm -hmm. like when you were talking about assassin's creed any of those games that take place in many different time periods you do kind of end up learning a little bit of history absolutely and i know that my vocabulary is only so big because i played a lot of rpgs when i was a kid mm -hmm. yep. yeah and and, go ahead okay. no that, that i was just gonna say that it's you know it's hard to quantify that and it's hard to like prove that it works other than just to see that over over time um a child is more interested or a child has you know some base knowledge that maybe it's imperfect and maybe it's not like textbook knowledge but they do have a greater amount of knowledge than nothing yeah mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, like the, the sort of Assassin's Creed example, uh, you know, while the, the main games are not historical, historically accurate in the least, <laughs> I definitely, you know, learned some some Jeopardy inquisible uh, answers um, from them. So, you know, like a most most basic familiarity with some of those things that I didn't cover. In, in my history classes. But that's why I think that that sort of using that triple um, a level like highly developed simulation to deliver more accurate information 
um, in a way that that the kids are probably going to be more interested in anyway. Like, like the, ki- free- the kids today, the, the, you know, <laughs> the youth, the youth, because <laughs> um, like free running up the side of the pyramids or, you know, uh, across the Parthenon or whatever um, is probably going to be more engaging and it's going to be um, something that their brain is already telling them is supposed to be fun uh from from sort if if they are familiar with the main game um and then recontextualizing that into useful information i i think could be pretty effective and Uh, don't forget those collectibles it's it's also illegal to do that in real life so uh, (laughs) they don't don't let you run across the parking lot exactly um but yeah, because I mean, like a lot of, I mean, at least incidentally for me, part of the problem was always that those felt really like, I don't, I won't say bad games, but kind of like dinky, like yeah. the, the loops were occasionally good, but a lot of times I just didn't feel invested. It was like you, filling out a worksheet. You um, mean a lot of times. Educational, edutainment games. Yeah, that I, which to be fair was probably like early 2000s for me. Um, so it's it's been a second uh, since I had firsthand experience, but but yeah, the exception of the Magic School Bus point and click games because those ruled, <laughs> and no one can ever convince me otherwise. We're not going to try. Good. I know you all have extensive knowledge of those games. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> The, the one game that was on the computer in the public library. Right. <laughs> the Newton County Public Library. Aw. <laughs> so sweet. In my middle school in the year 1983, there was, uh, we were had like the first, one of the first computer rooms. And um, because I was in the special program, <laughs> I got to go to the computer room and um, we got you to play. You can just say white privilege. It's fine. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> but the this only, is a podcast. You're not even sure that he's white. The only, <laughs> the only game I remember is there was a little game with a mouse and some cheese and a maze. And I had to move the mouse around through the maze. And now that I'm saying it out loud, it makes me wonder if I was part of some kind of experiment. <laughs> 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 but the Joe sure. the, <laughs> the mouse, his name was Algernon <laughs> exactly. at the Stanley Milgram he got, uh, <laughs> he got smarter and smarter and then he wasn't <laughs> smart anymore <laughs> I don't know what happened and then I felt less smart I don't know anyway <laughs> good times <laughs> I think we're long over an hour we we have gone and and really talked a lot you know at, Ironically, coming into this game, I, I thought there's not a whole lot we're going to be able to talk about with this because it's, you know, as as cool as it is, there's there's only so much really going on there. But gosh, we've uh, we've rattled on for almost an hour and a half now, which is which is a lot for us. Should we move to uh, sort of final thoughts and those sorts of things, Tanner? Yeah, I think we we can move to wrap up. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and kick it off. Uh, so I think that um, Crescent Loom uh, is, is a really interesting game. And I think it's, it's a great 
solid foundation uh, for what it's what it's trying to do. I know that the the developer has has emphasized um, it being available and used as an educational tool quite a bit. Uh, so I hope that if they end up listening, that that uh, <laughs> we we provided some kind of interesting. Uh, perspective on on educational games. Um, well, some of and, us did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's the kind of game uh, that that I'm personally uh, really into. Um, you know, if if there were points and little unlockable bits to to build on your critter, I would pour who knows how much time into this. Uh, but as is, I, I still really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, my, my only one real critique being um, just a, a little bit more onboarding, uh, sort of expand the, the tutorials out just a little bit um, so that I can, can get to the, the nice juicy uh, creature building loop a little bit faster. So. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a fun, whether it's a toy or a game, I don't think really matters when it comes down to it because it's, I just had fun with it. Uh, and, and I'm absolutely, as with so many other games that we uh, talk about here, I'm really interested to see where they're going to go next and what all they're going to add and uh, uh, where where all that takes them in this game. So it's cool stuff. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> what you guys already said. I'm good. <laughs> okay. Olivia Robbie, uh, since I'll he's go. taken the cop out, you guys want to put some um, in? I, 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 really... I have never taken a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> Proceeds to mute himself. <laughs> um, so he can talk off 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 mic about the many cop outs he's taken. Um, <laughs> no, the many cops I've taken out. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed it a lot too. I, um, you know, I honestly would really recommend, especially if you're somebody that's in education or, because um, I believe that they offer free copies for schools that are interested in, you know, using it as a tool. Um, I think I remember seeing that on their itch page. I hope I'm not making that up. <laughs> uh, definitely check it That's out, true. especially if you have a passing interest in like biology. It's definitely just worth playing with because it does a lot of interesting puzzly things that I haven't played many other games. And we didn't end up talking about some other sort of programming games that much like Factorio and stuff. But mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely a really interesting thing and it's definitely worth checking out. The end. <laughs> Robbie? I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think, I'm, I mean, I would be happy with the game as is if, if there was just some bugs hashed out and certainly if the tutorial was a little bit more fleshed out. Um, not much more. I just want to know, I just want to know what's there and then maybe if there was a little bit more about what's possible. Um, but I, I like it. I think it's effective as a as a teaching tool but it's also just fun to engage with which is what makes it effective as a teaching tool yeah i'm excited to see what comes next yeah um all right so uh tanner i'll wrap us up if that's uh if that's okay with you sounds great all right um 
let's see. Do we have any plans for what we're doing next? <laughs> we yes. totally didn't talk about it. We are going to enjoy our holidays. Right. Yes. This next month, uh, for the month of December, uh, we are probably going to be too busy to be playing games anyway. So we're going to take the month off. Um, I'll be playing games. I just oh, right. asking about them. We, we just won't all be playing the same yes. game is the trick. Um, and, and we will, of course, be and talking nice. about games, but probably only with ourselves. Um, but uh, keep an eye out on our webpage, and we will post what we're going to play in the month of January as soon as we figure that out. Uh, so we'll keep you updated on that. Check us out on either the Facebook page or um, our website or on Twitter uh, to keep up with what we're doing and uh, where we're going next. Um, the music that should be playing underneath us right now is Plain Loafer from Kevin McLeod. Um, he's got lots of great stuff out there on the internet. So if you need some background music and sounds, uh, look him up. He's got a lot of uh, uh, great open source musical stuff out there. Um, other than that, I think that covers everything. Oh, uh, one more thing. We just want to say once again, uh, wrapping up this season of playing those, um, the, the games in the bundle uh, for racial justice and equality, uh, how much we appreciate all of the developers who put their games into that and all of the players who went and, uh, um, gave money for that and and were interested in it that was a huge huge thing earlier this year and we were happy to have uh, participated just by uh playing those games and, and being part of it um so with that um i guess that's it for us for this month we will see you on the next episode bye 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 bye, bye. bye.